I'm Adriana, and this is Rebel with a Cause, a podcast where I bring the cultural diversity to your space through individuality and rebel moves. Tune in to hear stories, discussions, and bites from people fueled by passion, originality, and those famous rebel moves. Have you ever felt confused by the actions of someone from another culture? This week, I wanted to acknowledge World Day for Cultural Diversity for Dialogue and Development, celebrating not only the richness of cultures, but raising awareness of how important it is to communicate, learn and develop humans to move towards more prosperity, sustainable development and global peace. This day, which is... Tomorrow, 21st of May, highlights the significance of diversity as an agent of inclusion and positive change. Welcome to Rebel with a Cause. And today I have two of my friends. These women have a very vast experience, not just with cultures, but humanitarian work. And I invited them to have a conversation about culture, diversity, inclusion. And I invited them to pull their seats up to the table and discuss. So welcome, Una and Laurie. Hi. Hi. So I would like to first introduce Una Lappen from Unique New Adventure Limited. Welcome, Una. Can you please tell us about yourself a little bit and about this unique new adventure. I'm curious. Um, I started this unique new adventure limited a number of weeks ago. Um, I'm Una Lapa and I'm from Belfast and I'm an international humanitarian. Um, My background is nutrition and I realized mid last year that I had a lot more to give than what I was doing in my day to day. So I decided to take the leap of faith and to start my own business and to pass on my privilege of education globally as a humanitarian. I worked across the globe on the continent of Asia and Africa, and I developed and grew so much as an individual, both professionally and personally, I thought I wanted to pass that on. Um, I've experienced different cultures and different perspectives, different customs, Everything you can possibly name has been different. And I wanted to impart this in order to grow and develop global citizens in going forward in Belfast. Thank you. Over to you, Laurie. Um, If you could please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Join Her Network. Oh, yeah. Hi, Adriana. And hi, Una again. And congratulations. Look forward to your adventures as they unfold. I'm Laurie Gutsy Barnett. I was born in Harare, Zimbabwe. And I think um, just being around different people and diversity has been a part of my life. And um, I blame my parents for creating the curiosity of wanting to understand others who were different from how they sounded, what they had to offer, and who they just were. And growing up with this mind that was quite eager to mix with others and blend and just explore what options they are with understanding others who are not like me and just valuing all of that. So fast track, I think several decades later, 
along comes join her network and it's really a representation of what diversity in its various forms should look like should feel like and it just really encompasses the experiences of all of the individuals who come on board their personalities their experience their learning everything about them that just makes life different that makes life exciting and the possibilities so i'm i'm quite excited and just watching it all unfold and enjoying every second of diversity as it's happening really and thank you thank you for, for coming on on my show and for all my new listeners and some of you who don't know me my name is adriana morvayova and i was born in slovakia with and i have hungarian roots i moved to northern ireland 15 years ago and today i want to facilitate a conversation, not just diversity, not just culture, but inclusion and being more inclusive and engaging in dialogues and development going further. So this is not just a show where two white women will quiz a black woman over some diversity. As we're all three of us are part of Join Her Network, we're all three of us being at the front there. Laurie, you came to us with this fabulous idea and me and Una jumped in. And as we get criticised from the start for being a bite of white woman, you know, supporting a black woman, not having it. <laughs> so let's so let's just not celebrate the culture today and address the nitty gritty of this whole inclusion topic in Northern Ireland. So with that, I'm going to go straight to you, Laurie. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, but honestly, so you lived, you lived here for so long. Do you think Northern Ireland can do more for inclusion? Because I believe we are diverse, but are we inclusive? Well, I think for me to answer that question, I mean, okay, yes, we're going to do the tick box exercises. And I've learned ever so well in Northern Ireland, we like to do our monitoring. So I'm I'm quite looking forward to, to breaking this down as best as we can. Now, my answer, I'm going to give it in two ways. One is a global view, and then I'll try to zone it into where we are. Yeah. Globally, I think the whole world needs to take a totally different perspective. And currently, as we are, I think we're having to deal with that reality because for the first time, all of us are being, I suppose, uniformed in in, in in an environment that is causing us to all be exactly the same. And it doesn't take any preference for what race you are, what gender you are, or anything. We're all under the same conditions. So I think as a whole, we need to take an approach that is more open And when I say open, I mean open in not assuming that we understand the other person based on history or fact or fiction, but to actually take it at a personal note where you can ask an individual if you have them. It's pointless to say, like, I understand whether it's a black or white or any other color issue without actually having engagement that substantiates my opinion. So I think people need to engage more and talk rather than assume. What I would say about Northern Ireland, I've been here for 15 years and I have found it to be a very friendly environment. You have a lot of genuinely, sincerely, I think, open-minded individuals with the odd one or two that has an opinion. Now, I can appreciate sometimes we have bad experiences and that tampers with our perception and we start stereotyping on the basis of that. Can we do more? Definitely. Not just in Northern Ireland, globally. I think we owe it to ourselves and the future generations to do more. We're compelled to do more. And equally with what we're going through right now, that's the first step for us to step out of our own comforts and our own thoughts and consider the other person 
and what the impact is. So I hope that starts the ball rolling, Adriana, for you. Is that rebel yes. enough for you? <laughs> oh, uh, that is perfect, right up my street. So I'm going to turn to you, Una, because I'm, I'm going to... So am I right if I say that with your unique new adventure, you want to start these dialogues and development to raise awareness of the cultures you have got to know through your travels, who you lived with and experienced in person. Is that the mission? And right, let's go with the mission first. And then I have the next question right after it. <laughs> okay. One question at a time. You can hear me okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that, that very much is my mission. Okay. I, I worked internationally as a humanitarian for five years across the globe and I have lived experience from many different cultures and that's my mission is is to think about others and to talk about others and to know about others because I can only speak as myself these are my experiences and and my work and what I've seen and heard etc and I want to pass that on so yes that is my mission my mission is is to ask the different questions about different cultures about different different clothing, about different etiquette, about different customs. And from my lived experience, I answer those questions as me. Because I can't speak as an Afghan lady. I can't speak as a Nigerian lady. I can't speak as an Iraqi lady. I can just speak for myself. So I have the privilege of the the five years across the nine different countries with different perspectives. And my mission is to impart that to the next generation. And, and it's fabulous. Just my thinking is that sometimes whenever I have a conversation with people about culture, I feel like there's a blank stare coming right back at me. So I can imagine you going out to companies, schools, talking to children, older people, everybody, having these interesting conversations. Are you not afraid of having that blank stare back? How are you planning to engage people? Last year, I, I started, I piloted a couple of um, workshops with children. And I don't know about you, if you've worked with children, it's very hard to keep their concentration. And I managed to, because it's very, it's, it's, it's in a very relaxed state. With my, I've run two date Afghan culture workshops and Iraqi culture workshops. And it isn't me standing beside a PowerPoint. It is me on the floor on an Afghan mat or an Iraqi mat with my pictures, with my artifacts, with my shoes off as is done as part of the culture in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I sit on the floor, I find the country, I talk about the country, I compare us to them, you know, the size of the country, the population, etc. And I make it real. I make it interactive. It is not me telling a story end of questions. It is, let's have a chat about this country. Let's have a chat about what I did for my job. I'm a nutritionist by trade. And long and short as I went to measure malnutrition, which basically means I took weights and heights of children and I calculated if they were malnourished or not. So it was very hands-on. So my workshops are very hands-on. The presentations I've given to date are pictorial. It's pictures. Mm-hmm. It's lived living life. It's not... In here, this is this, this is this. It is factual, but it's within a story. I believe I am good at telling stories. Well, so I've been told. Um, so I, I, I pass on this learning through storytelling. We all love a story. 
Irish are famous for telling stories. So it is through learning, through through storytelling and through sitting down on a rug and talking about real life things that I've experienced and they am bringing it back to to where, I, where I'm at and where the people are at. As I say, I spoke with young children between 8 and 10 and I've also spoken with between 14 and 16-year-olds, another hard nut to crack. And they, some did, I will admit, left the conversation, but that's life for anything. Um, others stayed and asked really interesting questions, wanted to learn about different cultures, wanted to know what it was like for me, how I got there, what the weather was like, really basic stuff. So I start off, I'm from here, I lived over here, let's find the country, let's talk about my experience. So I feel I can hold people's concentration because I make it real and I've been given really positive feedback that it's, it's, it's structured in a way, but it's also, it's also stopped if I get a question. I'm curious, though, that, that you ever went to and you felt that I could never live here because whether it, it was their beliefs that went against yours, whether it was the way they lived, any, anywhere that you would struggle to live. Well, I've been asked this question a number of times and my answer is always the same. I was there to do a job. I was there to carry out my my role as a nutritionist. Yes, I lived and I worked and I loved the countries that I was in. But going in, I left my Western views, as I was told, um, my Christian beliefs, and I absorbed where I was. So I, I the saying is, when in Rome, so when I worked in in Islamic when and I was in Islamic countries, I wore appropriate dress, I scarved, um, I I upheld the local customs. So I, on occasion, it was difficult to see some experiences, but I never expressed my opinion because I was there to do a job, and I did my job. So um, the one thing, I mean, you expats, you may have heard the word. The one thing that we all have in common as expats is you're all away from home. So I kept journals, um, daily journals to offload what I experienced and what I saw as a way to process that because it was difficult at times. It was difficult at times to experience the way children are maybe boys versus girls or how women may be treated or how men would be treated or the stereotypes, but I wasn't there to give an opinion. I was there to do to do my job. So dare I say, I suppose, bite my tongue on occasion. But never, ever, ever would I have expressed my 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 view from from where I'm from um, if it was going to offend, if I was going to insult, because I was welcomed into countries. I mean, in Afghanistan, I went in four months after the fall of the Taliban, so security was still an issue. In Iraq, I went in one month after Saddam Hussein fell, and I was in southern Iraq at the front line, and I was going in to do an emergency job. Um, over time, I got to get to know people and we had conversations, but we always, we always were very respectful and you have your opinion and you have my, and I have my opinion and we come from different corners of the world. But I would never have, um, felt uncomfortable living there maybe for a long period of time. Who knows? Um, but I was there the longest I was in the Middle East for a year and a half. And I suppose I got used to the way the country was. I could use the differences they were to my home country, Ireland. 
And yes. I, I got I got on with it to be honest. I mean, and, and long and short of yeah. it, I got yeah. on with it. I mightn't have agreed with yeah. everything, but I didn't express yeah. that disagreement because I wasn't going to offend. I was welcomed into the country to do my job. And and you and you you say that, and that's that's exactly how I felt when I first moved here in Northern Ireland, and when I started living here, people have accepted me. They welcomed me. Throughout the years, there were things, and there are still things that I might not agree with. I have never felt that I needed to suppress my own culture. I think over the years I have always strived to integrate to my best ability. And I do now celebrate local holidays. I do cook local food. But at the same time, I still love going back to my roots. I think I I really have found my happy medium where I successfully integrated into the local Northern Irish culture. But stereotypes do exist to my next point that I would like to talk about and and ask you, Laurie, about, you know, stereotypes. And, and can you remember the stereotypes that you had to face and the stupidity some people with their questions came at you at the start? Because I had some of those, but I want to hear from you, your experience from moving over here. Well, the thing for me is, I've I've lived in a lot of places and a lot of places people have different responses to things. You know, and I think it's it's fair to say that from a global perspective, it's really how much you know. I grew up in a time in Zimbabwe where I mean Zimbabwe is, is it was this was like a colonist a colon a colonized country. The the British pretty much came in at, a, at an early stage, I mean, I probably would have been too young to to recognize a lot of things, but there was a lot of things that were done and put in place that really over, I suppose, exaggerated the differences between being black and being white. So for me, that was that was that was that was very early in my life. But at the same time, my best friend was a girl called Mandy Lyon who had red hair and she was not black. So how do you explain when? racism as being something that is being perpetuated, that you have children and other innocent standbyers who continue regardless and don't see that. Throughout the course of my life, as you get older, you start to understand that there's differences in what is acceptable, what is permitted, what is right and wrong, depending on who's looking at it. And it starts to give you a lot of different views as to where do you fit into the grand scheme of things. And it's unfortunate because if I had to take everyone who is here in Northern Ireland today and I put them on the African continent, all of a sudden they would be the minority because you're outnumbered, not because you don't mean or don't have the same value, but you're outnumbered because there's more of whoever is within your local proximity than yourself. So minority, again, is a relative term, is another thing that I would probably go and say. And stereotypically, because of this assumption that, yes, Africa, I suppose, assumedly is the dark continent and everything is very, you know, backward and needs to be updated and needs to be fast-tracked, it actually isn't. There's quite a lot of things that are in place and some things that I suppose that the developed countries and, and, and everyone else from a different perspective could go and, and, and appreciate and learn something different. Equally, we have to take that journey from our own respective countries and live as, I suppose, a, a migrant in another place and develop and have a life and so on and so forth. And it's not easy. 
it's very difficult to walk into places and stereotypically be assumed that you're not good enough. Stereotypically be it assumed that you don't understand or you don't fit in or you're overlooked or you're undermined. It's not fair to do that. And, and I think the world needs to reckon with that narrative that suggests one is better than the other. We're just differently equipped for the job. And whoever is the best able should be the one put in the, in, in the front line, in my opinion, in any case. Yes. And, and do you know what? Sometimes I feel that these stereotypes and these, these generalizations that people have and biases people have mm-hmm. will cause that people are not invited to the table, that there is no inclusion. Because the more I learn about cultures, the more I realize how little I know. Previously, years and years ago, if I was asked to invite 10 people to the table to be inclusive, I would probably pick 10 white people because I had no cultural experience. And because I had these stereotypes and generalizations in my head that African people maybe can't speak English or Indian people, I cannot understand what they say. Asian people are difficult to deal with. And I sometimes think that those are still here, those stereotypes and biases people still have. People have a bias against accents. If you meet someone with an American accent or an Australian accent, you're probably more likely to do business with them if you meet someone with an African or an Indian accent. Where do you stand with the whole, you know, your own cultural awareness if you were to invite 10 people to the table? I remember when I first went to um, university, and I went to university in the United States. I went to Penn State University, and um, I remember one of my lecturers saying to me, why do I not say anything in the classroom? And I said, well, I think my accent sounds off, and I think nobody will want to hear me because I don't sound like everybody else. And I remember my lecturer giving me a bit of a telling off to say, you know what? You sound the way you sound, and that's that there's nothing wrong with it. It's who you are and what you have to present, and you have a lot to offer the world. So don't get caught up with what you sound like. Just talk. And if somebody's not listening, it's their loss. Because every single time you overlook a person because they don't look the way you want, they don't sound the way you want, they don't appreciate the things you appreciate, you're the one who misses out on what that person has to offer. And yes, I get it. There are some people who rub other people the wrong way. Of course. But then there's reasons for that. Some people are just angry all the time. It's got nothing to do with them being from a specific country in Africa or from a specific place in Asia. Some people just have that temperament. They're always angry. And equally, if some people have experienced some unfairness, there's certain expressions that are associated with with locations or with with you know specific cultures. For example, don't be an Indian giver, <laughs> you know, to suggest that I can give you something and I can take it back. Who says that it's only an Indian who could perhaps equate to that statement? We all could apply that. So there are certain little expressions that have gone on for so many years, maybe as a joke, but and it's become practical, normal expression, which is unfair, and that's where. We get blindsided and we stop appreciating people because we're so consumed about the opinion that we've created, we're overlooking the person in front of us. Being from a different culture has got nothing to do with you being an asshole. Sometimes it's just in you as a person. So, Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. The Absolutely. world needs some of those. <laughs> yeah. Una, Una, do you know what yes. I'm interested, though? Have you ever felt like, you know, you've, you ever felt like you're a bit of an imposter that, who am I? 
white woman trying to talk and and educate people about culture? No, I don't. Um, and to be honest, to be honest, I'm not a fan of that of that saying because I am me. I am me. So how can I feel not me? Um, and I think when Laurie was speaking, you were speaking about the the previous point. I mean, it's all down to yourself, and you start with yourself. And you call things out if you hear things that are inappropriate. You call things out if you hear the stereotypes. I mean, the stereotype for being Irish, not everybody is stereotypically what people say all Irish are. You know, so for me, I very much call it out. But I don't feel like an imposter because I have five years behind me. I have more years having, I, I lived in Czech Republic. I went to, went. I worked in, the, in Prague, in the University of Prague. Um, I was an IST student. I've traveled over France, I've been in Spain and I've been in America. So I have experiences, I, I, I know what I've done. And yes, it is quite unique because there aren't that many humanitarians from Belfast, I'm aware. And I suppose I have that behind me. So I don't feel as if I, I can't say what I'm saying because I don't have the credentials. I know I have it. And I'm not also arrogant about it because I'm not arrogant. And anybody who knows me, anybody who's listened to this, I, I'm not I've done what I've done. It was my career. And now I'm imparting my knowledge. So I don't feel as if I'm an imposter. I am very confident in being able to sit on the floor on an Afghan, Afghan rug or an Iraqi rug or stand in front of a room full of people. I presented at International Women's Day about um, gratitude around being an international humanitarian. And it was there were 150 plus, enough for one split second that I think I shouldn't be here. I knew I belonged there. And I really enjoyed it. Once I start speaking about my international experiences, I can go off on a tangent. So no, I don't feel as if I can't talk about it because I have my experience, my lived experience. I didn't travel. I lived. I lived in the countries. I befriended the locals. I was in locals' houses. I was at weddings. I was at different celebrations. I attempted Ramadan. I broke fast. I did all these things in country. And I have these experiences that that I believe gives me the kudos to say I'm an international humanitarian. So no, I don't feel as if I can't stand there and say what I say. And I'm really glad to hear that because I absolutely adore, adore your stories and, and I'm really, really looking forward to your book whenever it's ready. Will you yeah. hurry up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, do, I'm, do, I'm doing my best. So I sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Good. Sometimes I feel like, you know, we're talking about diversity and inclusion and I feel like the diversity is this lovely thing. Everybody likes to talk about. Everybody likes to make money on it. And then you have the ugly sister, the inclusion that nobody wants to dance with. So what do we do? How are we going to spin the ugly sister and start? How can we create more inclusive dialogue? Both of you, give me your views. Tell me, tell okay. me. Let's dance. <laughs> well, for me, since you've given the analogy of the ugly sister, I'll take on the story, the, you know, the, the fairy tale story of Cinderella. And um, the ugly stepsister being, you know, inclusion. Inclusion is, is that awkward responsibility that we all have to do when it comes to not being the one who thinks, well, you know what, we're, we're the stepsisters, we're better, we're, we're in a better position, so inclusion, you stay in the corner, you don't need to go out, and, and you, you shouldn't show up where we go. Equality, however, to me, is the fairy godmother who shows up and says, you know what, let's, let's make you over, but we don't want this to last until midnight, we want this to last a lifetime, and we don't want 
um, equality to have to run out of the obviously the ball because they're they're not really welcome because they're different and have to leave a glass slipper behind. What we want is for people to be, I think, free and comfortable with the idea that diversity is about being different. That's the whole point. It can be anything. It can be anyone. As long as you qualify within the confines of being in the human race, that's all you need. Inclusion is about us saying, okay, if I can do it and you don't know how, let me teach you. If you can't understand me, give me time and hopefully we'll get some understanding and common ground. And rather than have a situation where everything is always about one side versus the other, one is above and one is beneath, I think everybody can fully utilize diversity with equality and inclusion, but it's a deliberate conscious action. It's pointless to just put it on a piece of paper in a legislative document. You have to want to do it. It's a practical exercise. So the ugly stepsister who is inclusion, Yes, she can be changed. She can be transformed through equality. Equality is the neutralizer and it changes everything. At least that's what I think. Well, I mean, I would I would firmly agree with everything that, that Laura has said. I mean, there are many, many ugly sisters. There are many, many sisters out there that may not agree with what is being said, what is being done, but it's it's taking the time to explain yourself and to outline the benefits and just, if needs be, take the steps side by side. Not everybody is ready to be included. Not everybody is ready, but the world is changing and that's a fact. So I think with the ugly sister is to acknowledge where the ugly sister's coming from, their thoughts and their beliefs, and then together come and join the party come and join and, and, and be invited. So, I mean, I, I agree with everything Laurie has said, and I suppose it's just accepting that we're all different and sometimes it's easier to, to work and to to experience the ones who agree with you. But I think the, the, the most of the majority of the work needs to be done with ugly sisters, with the ones who maybe don't appreciate that we're all different and that's a good thing. Because I think we've all got something to give. So maybe the ugly sister takes a bit more time than everybody else who's willing to go to the party and willing to come to the table. And that's where you need to spend a little bit more time to work on, you're using the analogy of the ugly sister, you know, work on those individuals who don't see the benefit, who don't want to see the benefit. But then that's like any relationship, it's like anything, any any work. It's not nice um, and it's not fair, but... You know, equity is so important and I've believed in that from a very, very young age. And I suppose it's it's acknowledging that we're all coming from a different place. And if you can't ignore the fact we're coming from different places. Coming from a different place, some people take more time, some people need their hands held. So acknowledging that we're all different and we're coming from different areas and different different times and different spaces. Once you acknowledge that, it makes the work easier, I feel, because you work some you work more with some and not with others. But the idea is to get everybody to the same place. And that is to acknowledge that diversity is fantastic. I mean, I'm from here. And if you look at the vista of Belfast in the last 10, 15 years, it's so different. And I think it's absolutely amazing and wonderful to see. Why not? It should be that way. That's, that's, my, that's my piece with regards to the ugly sister. Thank you very much, ladies. You two have been an absolute pleasure to come on and have a real honest conversation to address cultural diversity and hopefully we all will celebrate 
um, tomorrow and I will toast you for your knowledge, your experience, obviously, and your insight. And thank you very much. On that note, I want to thank you to all my listeners to continuously supporting me. And I will probably just wrap up with a, with a short saying that I, I, I use on my, my email signature as well that, which I love is that jump into conclusion, leave no space for inclusion. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye.